guys, this is Erin Nicole, and you're listening to the Move Happy Movement podcast. On this show, I interview people from all over the world, and sometimes I speak myself on topics that I feel led to share and inspire, and hopefully uh, give you some golden nuggets so you can take action in your lives to live a life that you're happy with. Um, Today, I really feel led to speak on happiness in the workplace. And I want to talk uh, first, first of all, um, I don't pre-plan when I do my own interviewing, when I do my own show without any other guests. Um, This is just completely on the spot, what I feel led in my spirit to share with you. Um, So if I do bunny trail, just keep that in mind that this is not pre-planned. Okay, so happiness in the workplace is possible, I promise you. Um, Are you going to be happy all the time? Probably not. Should you and do you deserve to be happy during your workday? Yes, 100%. Um, Although the statistics are pretty staggering as far as uh, whether or not people are happy to go to work every day. Um, I know at one point I had listened to... Les Brown, who's a positive motivational speaker, and he, he pulls a lot of statistics and whatnot. And this was maybe 10, 15 years ago. Uh, it was a recording that was on YouTube, but I was listening to it in, oh, I want to say 2016, thereabouts, 2017. But he said he pulled the statistics out, and 87% of people that go to a job every day do not like their job. 87%. That is terrible statistics if you know anything about happiness and 13%. That's 13% are happy to go to work every day. Why? Why is that the case? Well, that is something that I am extremely curious about. And what's really fun with the research that I do as a part of my organization. Um, And it makes me feel better when I do research on it because when you think about positive things, when you think about ways to improve situations instead of focusing on problems, you actually open up some creative juices in your brain. So let me share a little bit more of what I'm talking about. Um, So my first experience around um, improving well-being in the workplace, if you will, which ultimately if you're you're healthier uh, physically, if you're healthier diet-wise, if you're getting better sleep, you are gonna be in a better mood, you're gonna be a better employee, you're gonna show up and work harder because you're healthier, you're gonna call out sick less often uh, because you're gonna be overall healthy. And if you feel like connected to your colleagues and have respect from your leadership, uh, you will feel a sense of belonging. So you will more than likely show up and not just show up to get paid, but you will show up to go above and beyond and work harder and give more and do more and your bosses will be happy and everyone will be happy around you. So uh, my first introduction to workplace well-being, I, I was blessed. I, I've, I've been really, honestly, it's been a lot of grace connecting with the right people at the right time. Um, I had uh, my high school sweetheart, my first love, Dustin. If he's listening to the show, he's probably giggling right now because he's in a relationship, has kids, he's, you know, he's doing his thing. Um, But he was my first love, and his mom loved me. And when I got to college, I was needing a job. I was 
um, in my, my final year where I was student teaching. And I had moved in with some friends. They had just bought a house together and they wanted to cover some of their mortgage. And so they reached out to me. I had met Autumn and Kyle when I worked at the Albertsons gas station. We all worked together. I worked with Kyle first. He was like senior trainer lead. um, And then Autumn joined like the next year. And so we stayed friends and stayed connected through social media and whatnot. And they asked me if I wanted to live there. And so this was my first time living, you know, not in dorms and not on my parents. So I'm still learning finances and things of that nature. Um, So I agreed and I was working at the YMCA as a lifeguard in the mornings from, I think, 4 or 4.30 to about 7 or 7.30 or 8. Um, The first eight weeks I was student teaching at the elementary, so they had a start time that was a little bit later. And then when I transitioned to do my student teaching at the high school, I had to leave a little bit earlier. Um, Then I worked a full day teaching, either shadowing or, you know, transitioning into full-time instruction at both levels, elementary and high school. And during that time, I actually created a fun project for, this is literally just coming to my mind right now. This is not what I was planning on talking about, but this is what happens when I start sharing stories in my timeline. Um, I'm extremely out of the box thinker. I'm super creative and I am really good at bringing people together. And I have a passion to bring families together because that's in my heart. And I know that when families are strong, communities are strong, schools are strong, businesses are strong, states are strong, countries are strong. And it all starts at the family. And so um, with my passion for health and fitness, that was my undergraduate degree. I have a desire to help people find a passion for being fit and healthy for life. So I created a collaborative, fun competition for each of the classes to compete in in the entire school. And fun fact, I actually asked for permission from my advisor before I implemented it, and she told me no. (laughs) But I told my mentor teacher, Henry Michelson, anyway, and he said, let's just do it. I love the idea. So he was He was on board with it. So sorry, Dr. McConnell, didn't listen to you. It ended up turning out really well. Um, What it looked like was um, they got different points if they participated in a physical activity. They got more points if, and this was outside of school. It was an optional fun thing. They didn't have to do it. It was like, hey, if you want to opt in, there's prizes. And if they invited a family member, it had to be a mentor, someone that was older than them, whether it be a big brother, a cousin, a parent, Um, a grandparent, whatever their family dynamics were, um, or if they were adopted and it wasn't, you know, biological family, whoever they considered was mom, dad, whoever they considered was their um, adult figure that they respected in their life. Because I knew that if I could get them connected to one other person, they would more likely want to continue being physically active for life because they can have those healthy, fun conversations, have some de-stress time, maybe on a walk around the track or a walk in the park. Um, and And it would be something for them to create consistency within their schedule because the students that I worked with um, were in a low-income area. Not all of them were from low-income families, but many of them were. And the lower the income, the higher the poverty, the higher um, percentages of domestic violence, the higher percentages of crime in the community. Uh, There's just a lot of statistics 
on that. And this was my way of helping um, give them protective social health factors and whatnot. Um, And so that was something that was really fun for me because it got all of the classes on board in the entire school. There was maybe 400 or 500 students that I got to see on a weekly basis. Every single one of their classroom teachers knew about the competition. So it was a fun, collaborative, cooperative competition. There was um, winners could be a classroom could win if they had the most total minutes by the end of the, I think we did it for seven weeks so that we could um, wrap up the final numbers that last week. And um, the student that had the most minutes with a family member of physical activity um, outside of the classroom um, would win a fun prize individually. So it was, it, was, uh, it was encouraged for them to work together as a class. And then they had fun rivalry announcements because they had morning announcements um, every day. And I want to say we did the minutes um, on a weekly basis so that we would announce them during the morning announcements to let them know how the competition was going and who was in first place, right? Because everybody wants to win if they can. And this was something that no matter what fitness level they were, no matter if they had a physical disability or a cognitive disability, if they got connected with a family member or a friend that was maybe a little bit older than them, that they could have that peer support connection and also get some fitness on. Um, This was something that I... I don't know where it came from, but it came through me and it was something so fun for me to be a part of. And um, I do have to share that uh, I had gotten to the high school and I started doing my student teaching over there and um, I was pretty tight on the finances because I was um, working in the mornings, a little bit of money, and then teaching was not paid. We have to pay tuition to do that. Um, unlike a lot of other professions that pay you to have your practicums or your internships, like at hospitals, doctors get paid uh, before they become doctors and whatnot. Teachers don't. So I worked after school in this program for a couple of hours as a, I forget my title, but I was essentially like a games instructor for, um, they had a grant in the Clover Park School District. So I worked at one of the schools there and it didn't pay enough. I was enjoying it, but it did not pay enough to cover my rent and get me groceries. I know I remember my mom had brought groceries over one day. I didn't ask for help. I tend to not do that. I'm learning to ask more as a as an adult. But my dad um, really raised me. I believe to be extremely independent. Um, we had our first job. I was nine years old when I had a paper route as a family because I believe financial stress was something that he felt a lot of pressure on and he wanted to change that to teach us responsibility in the household and I was the youngest so I had a paper route with mom. We would do it every Tuesday for nine years. So for me family is extremely important and making money is extremely important Um, and I wasn't making enough of it. So I had to make a change. And so my high school sweetheart, um, he and I still off and on stayed connected and whatnot, you know, just as as friends do. And I reached out to him and I was like, hey, I need some help. I need a job that can cover my bills. I'm going to be graduating soon. And right now I'm just like I'm barely making it like I'm struggling. 
And he said, well, I know my mom is always hiring. Let me, let me call her and see, see what's up, see what she can do. So he called his mom, Susan, and sure enough, she had an HR position she needed at her company. Now, her company was a flagging dispatching company for construction, so they're the people that hold like the stop and slow signs, um, and they also they added some things afterwards, but they had some rental of trucks and rental of equipment and whatnot that they offered, and about 50 employees during their busy part of the season, and so she wanted an HR and safety manager on the team to make sure that they were doing everything, you know, equality, diversity, and whatnot. I had never done anything like that before, but I'm telling you, like, I, I definitely am super full of grace and um, gratitude for people stepping up in my community um, through the relationships that I have built and worked on um, to be kind to others and people step up when I reach out. When I do ask, when I humble myself and ask for help, people do generally um, give me that help. So I'm working in HR and I'm learning what roles, what she needs help with. And I asked her, uh, because I am out of the box thinker and I care about people's well-being and I wanted to use my degree that I had just received. I asked her if um, during our monthly safety meeting that I was designing, if I could talk about the benefits of health and fitness and, and tie it into uh, workplace um, I don't want to say workplace, but working harder at work and calling out sick less often. And she was like, yeah, that sounds like a really interesting presentation. If, if you have research, I'd lo- I'm curious about it. I said, okay, great. And do you know if any of these people have children? She's like, yes, most of them do have children and families. So I knew already that I wanted to tie in the family aspect. So I took Uh, quite a bit of time being extremely professional just as I'm sure if you're listening to the show right now you do as well in your profession if you care about your job and you care about um, just doing doing well doing things with excellence doors start opening up for you and so I'm doing this presentation and I was not planning on there being children in the room, but there definitely was. So that curbed a little bit of my language that I was going to be using um, because I had an incredible high standards professor in my undergraduate. We didn't have a lot of cohesion in the department because there was some friction and some people left and we had a lot of substitute professors. However, my advisor was amazing and Dr. Hacker, who is a soon to be retired. No, she's on sabbatical right now. Um, She is uh, the Women's USA sports psychologist for the soccer team. They've taken first many years in a row. Um, She also works with Paralympics and she's, you know, been on all these TV shows and podcasts and interview, all that stuff. Her level of standards are extremely high and I got to study under her. Um, She had us in one of her classes, it was the, I want to say it was the sociology and psychology um, aspects of physical activity. So um, my type of learning, I'm extremely audio learner, and her type of instructing was extremely verbal presentation style, and then we took copious notes, shorthand notes, and then, you know, you rewrite them in order and whatnot. Um, 
I took this class and I, and I studied and she required us to know the information back and front. We had a hundred or 150 blanks of a, a white piece of paper. She passed out the exam. We had to know the question and we also had to know what the question was if she gave the answer. She, her standards were so high and I'm so grateful that she challenged us in that manner because I transferred that information along with some current research because that was like maybe the year before um, graduating. So um, I wanted it to all be as current as possible when I was doing the presentation for a business with a leader that was, you know, my, my high school sweetheart's mom. Like she and I had a good relationship and I wanted to keep it good, right? So I'm doing the presentation and I'm speaking on all the aspects of the importance of sports and physical activities for all age levels. And I also talked about, uh, there's a really interesting statistic, and if you're listening and you're a child, you might want to, uh, or parents, like pause it, let them leave, and then restart the show. Um, but for girls, girls that join, you want to encourage girls to join sports and physical activities, and here's why. Girls that join sports, their um, onset of sexual activity is delayed because they have a goal to be oriented and connected to their team. If they get pregnant, they miss practice. I'm just going to say it straight. For men, they do not have the same research on that factor. Uh, <laughs> men do not delay, or young boys do not delay their sexual uh, age of you know onset for their first time having sex. Um, so just saying that to say, if you have girls in your home, you want to encourage them to get into sports, to get into physical activities, to get them into things, especially if they're in the middle school to high school age, because that's the point when they start to get aware of their bodies and whatnot. And I got to design this at my job because I asked, because I could tie it in to adding value to the company because the research is available. Um, what I wasn't planning on because <laughs> I was young and I was still learning I think I graduated well I graduated in 2008 so I would have been like this was in 2009 in the spring when I worked there briefly before winter, fall winter and then right before um, March because then I got offered a teaching job um, out in Rainier, Washington at a middle school um, I got bunny trailed there. Um, but I was only maybe 22. I think I was like 22, 23 years old at this point. So I was, I was young. Uh, so I'm still learning. Uh, but I didn't know about when you're doing presentations of any fashion whether you're like trying to convince your mom and dad about something, like get to the emotional point where you're about to, you know, persuade them and then ask for the sale, whatever that is. Like ask for the keys to take your date out. Ask for, you know, people to donate to your nonprofit. Whatever your pitch is at the end, make sure you ask for it because they are emotionally connected to you. If you are doing an excellent job with your presentation, they want to follow up with you in some capacity. I didn't do that because I didn't know. I knew, but I didn't. Um, I was still kind of getting over social anxieties and 
and whatnot. Um, and so I didn't do it. However, <laughs> boss still, uh, wanted to, I guess, support what I did. And also I think I had convinced my audience. And so they started asking her, she ended up signing up every single employee for a gym membership through LA fitness. I didn't even get a cut on that. Okay. I didn't get no commission. I'm okay with that. Um, but what it told me was, wow, I can make a difference. I can persuade people from a class that I took because I remembered the information and I tied it in. I personalized it to my audience. Um, and that was extremely fun for me. So that, that's another aspect or way in the workplace that you can add fun to your day. Um, a lot of businesses now are adding wellness bonuses, wellness um, incentives through medical insurance because the research is available. It's readily available now um, thanks to people being creative outside of the box and wanting to change the norm. So that was in... 2008 and 9 and then I got into teaching I was offered an opportunity to cover um, this was a really interesting situation because this was my first year teaching but it was the second half of the year and um, this teacher had been diagnosed with stage four cancer I want to say or stage three I don't I actually don't remember the stage so back up let me back up it was the third time he was diagnosed with cancer and he was 32 years old. I do remember that because it was flip-flopped. I was 23 and I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is not that much older than me. And he's already had cancer three times. It was so bad that he missed every other day of the first half of the year. So the kids missed out on a lot of learning opportunities because they had a substitute every other day. And I had gone through something similar when I was in, um, we had junior high, now it's called a middle school, in that same building, but uh, my during my ninth grade year was an extremely high transition year. Um, my math teacher, who was extremely good at his job, he was diagnosed with cancer of his, I want to say his stomach area. And he had to leave, and we had a lady come and take over. She was his um, student teacher the semester before and she was not good because she was new and I didn't want to work with someone new I wanted to work with someone that knew what they were doing because it stressed me out because I am type A <laughs> and I'm laughing because I remember it so vividly I was so stressed and I was 14 years old and that's when my first experience with my gift of vision came through I had so many challenging things going on at the same time uh, my abuser was coming back home from getting kicked out of the military um, and I didn't know if I was going to get abused uh, I was transitioning into high school there was this elite music group that I was extremely passionate about and I knew I was going to be a part of since I was nine years old and I didn't make it the first round and all of my friends made it so I was sad uh, my best friend and I at the time we were not getting along and I couldn't understand what was going on with that and just my mom had started working again and so there was all these changes and whatnot and I was so extremely stressed so I remembered 
my first year teaching that moment, what it was like in junior high, and I had empathy and understanding for them. So this was the most fun year of teaching for me because it was my first year and I gave them so much of my time, so much of my energy. I actually taught three math, middle school math classes, if you could believe that. Um, and my coworkers in HVAC sales now or technicians are probably giggling if they're listening to this because um, Aaron doesn't do math well, but I learned how to be resourceful with my situation. And Kyle, my roommate at the time, he is a journeyman electrician, and he was extremely good with math. He actually helped me with my math class when we worked together in Albertsons when I was struggling in my first year as a freshman in my algebra and trigonometry class because at that time, my grandma was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer, and she was about a year and a half in her treatment, and she had passed away um, in October. So I was struggling with just dealing with the grief of all of these people around me getting cancer and whatnot. And so when I'm teaching in my first year, I have all of these, these memories pop up and I wanted it to not be as stressful as it was for me, for these kids. And so Kyle actually gave me some sound advice and said, these kids have missed a lot of information. What you need to do is figure out what is missing from their knowledge bank and what are the standards expected for that grade level by the end of the year and figure out first, do an a general assessment, figure out what's missing and then where you need to take them and then customize your lessons based on that. That was like the best advice anyone could ever give me. And he was not a teacher, but he had a teacher's mindset because he was mathematically minded. So there was not an assessment available. Um, at the time, they had the Wassel test, which I did get um, accredited or whatever the terminology is. You had to get trained on it. Um, but that wasn't until a month or two later. Uh, what was available was on the Washington State Essential Learning. Let's see, what is it? Washington State Essential Learning Records or something like that. It's They probably changed the name um, since then. But... And the standards were available for each grade level. So I created my own mathematics assessment. And I actually still have a copy of it today with the key because that was so much work that I put into it. It was, it was work of love. And, and I explained to my students, this is an assessment. It's a test, but you're not graded on it. I need to see what information you're missing, what you didn't get in the first half of the year so that I know how to teach, what to teach, so we're not wasting time doing things that you guys are really good at. We're just going to focus on the problem areas that's missing and then help you be successful for this, this test that you'll have to take. And I talked to uh, PE classes as well, and this was, this was at a middle school that was in a small little country area, shared the gym with the high school next door, and the elementary was like the next building over. We're talking a blink town, one light, one gas station, probably one restaurant, maybe two restaurants. Um, I'd have to double check. Uh, they were extremely close-knit as a community, and that was extremely fun for me to work there. Um, there was a challenging thing that I experienced that we all experienced as a community towards the end of the year. Um, and keep in mind, like I was born in 86. So 
this is 2009, so I'm not that old, 96, 06, so I'm 23 years old, and they had a fitness, like, sports, athletics, partnership, mentorship program with the high school and with the middle school, and one of the high school students that was a lettered, I want to say he was a football player, I remember he, they showed pictures, he had a letterman's jacket, and he ended his life suicide. I don't remember the story of why he did it, uh, but that completely shocked the school and the community. And it's my first year teaching. No one can prepare you for that as an adult, because I still feel, I still felt like I was a child in that moment. But when you do what you're called to do and you show up and you're consistent and you do the best that you can, no matter how tired you are. Those are core values that I established when I was 14 years old through, um, through the book Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teens. Uh, you figure out what needs to be said or not said just to be there for kids. Um, so we had a day where we didn't do any work. Um, kids were there. We were there to support them, encourage them. Um, we, I remember I had gotten the Rascal Flatts CD and there was a song on there that was really closely tied in with the subject line. I forget, the, I think it was Michael or I forget the name of the song, but we played the song in the math class and then in the PE classes. Um, some of my students were also in both the math and PE. Uh, we just, we got our energy out. We went on walks, we went on jogs, um, we lifted weights. I tried to, to do a variety of exercises and activities to give them the best roundabout fitness experience uh, based on their preferences, their interests, as well as um, helping myself to learn how to be a better teacher since it was my first year. And as I mentioned before, we didn't have a whole lot of cohesion in my undergraduate program. So there was a lot of missing holes in the degree that I studied and paid for in full. I didn't pay partial for for substitute instructors. Um, I paid in full and I'm still paying, uh, working to be a better instructor, a better teacher, a better curriculum development professional through my Move Happy business. Um, and through my Erin Nicole Ministries nonprofit, I am blessed that I get to design therapy programs that are alternative to the traditional talk therapy and medication, um, they are in addition to, supplemental for, not in replacement of. Um, I would not have been able to have what I have right now and be where I'm at right now without these progressive steps in my journey. So I encourage you, if you are listening to this right now and you're like, wow, this is really, this is really getting me thinking about my own professional track. Maybe you're in college right now or you're a senior in high school and you're thinking, well, what degree do I want to get? Let me tell you, it don't matter. <laughs> get a degree. If you want to do the college route, get a degree that you're going to enjoy spending time working on. I'm thinking right now about uh, when I was in graduate school, I was blessed with the opportunity to have a, a graduate teaching assistantship where they paid me. They paid my tuition for the most part, like probably 95% of it. There were some building fees for a couple hundred each quarter. Um, and then they gave me a monthly stipend to, to teach in exchange, teach um, academic fitness classes. I taught four 
two hours per per class per week, so eight hours of instruction and and whatnot. And they paid. I mean, it's like they didn't pay a lot of money each month, but it was a ten month contract each year, assuming that I kept my grades high and I got good reviews from my students. I got to continue on. And one of my professors there, uh, Jun Koo Yoon, he was from South Korea. He moved his family over to the United States because he uh, he and I chatted one day um, in the hallway, and he was he was opening up to me. And looking back, I think he opened up to me because he probably sensed something in me, and he wanted to open up and, and speak to see if I was doing okay because I was such a hard worker. I was not really fun to be around when I was in academics. Like I'm pretty much a hard worker all the time, but y'all see me as move happy when I'm posting videos and singing songs and things. And that's, that's a part of my personality, but I'm also extremely driven and extremely serious in moments in time. And I'm okay with that because I know that about myself, um, that I was extremely serious in grad school, like looking back and like, oh man, I should have meditated more. Anyways, so <laughs> I digress. So Jun Yoon and I are talking, um, we called him JK. So JK and I are talking one day and he's, He's explaining the pressure, the level of expectation that families put on their children going into college and the career paths and whatnot is so high. The suicide rates are extremely terrible in academics in South Korea. He didn't want that pressure on his kids. So he moved to the United States so that they could choose career paths that they enjoy doing. And I thought that that was interesting that I had remembered that because... We all want to be happy. We all want, if you have children, our children to be happy. And yet there's this gap. 87% of people go to a job that they hate. So how can we make our jobs more enjoyable? There are a ton of different ways. Uh, We all have to do our part though. And it can't just be one person trying to do it all. Um, I believe when you step forward and offer support, hey, how can I help make this situation better? Hey, how can I help you right now? Um, It looks like you've got a lot going on. So when you offer support, instead of asking first, people are more likely to want to help you as well. So that's a simple way to make it more fun during the workday. Also not being afraid to just be yourself and be silly sometimes. Um, I've been working with a technician last couple of days um, he and I had some synergies with some real ish that we've been through in life um, and it was really fun for us to just be transparent and for me to learn some from him for him to learn some from me um, he let me use his power drill and I'm you know helping clean the uh, the outside of the machines outside of people's houses and it's not in my job role right it's not something that I have to do but I'm a person that I want to work collaboratively with my team because we win together. That's how my mind is. I'm very pack, wolf pack oriented. And that's been extremely fun for me in the workplace where I'm at today. Uh, so I encourage you, if you, are, if you are in a place where you hate going to your job every day, you're stressed out, you feel irritable, you're angry, like analyze the situation and figure out what are, what's going well, first of all, Ask yourself out loud, speak it out loud. What's going well in my workplace? And if it's helpful for you to write it in a journal, write out all the things that are going well. I promise you, if you ask that question, you will start to think of things that are going well. Um, I also like to 
say this this term I had heard it from someone else so I can't take credit for it but what is going otherwise instead of what's going bad at work so you're not thinking negatively but you're thinking what's going otherwise I know that I'm not happy about these things so these things can be modified if necessary write those things out um I know for me um, learning to raise my standards and speaking up about certain things because um, as a person that has depression and you might relate to this if you are diagnosed with depression or you um, have depressive episodes or you are just going through a tough season what we tend to do when we are depressed is to retract to withdraw get quiet and not speak up and not be advocates for what our needs are and that is not okay because then people step all over you you become a doormat you don't get your needs met you get fired from your job or you get um, punished for behaviors that people are doing passive aggressively you lose out on money there's a, there's a lot of things if you don't speak up and advocate for yourself so um, there have been some things that I'm stepping up to communicate and I am getting some friction and that's okay because when people see that there is change going on, it's uncomfortable for them. It's uncomfortable for me to go through change, but that is a part of life. And if we are to work together as a community, as a multi-billion dollar business, you better believe that I'm going to do my part and I'm going to do it with excellence. And if I bring up some ideas, some recommendations to make improvements, because it's affecting my paycheck. Um, for me, if someone is not going to listen to my recommendations, then I have 15,000 other job offers, not worried about it. Um, however, sometimes you get friction from people that are not decision makers in the business because they don't think the way that you do. They have a job that they go to and they have their family, that's their priority. They don't think about anything else besides go to work, family, that's it. Um, for me, as a professional that has you know, this big vision, and you might have this as well, I want to impact the world. I have a legacy mission. I want to help end suicides in the world. Like That's a huge life mission, right? Um, so anytime I am... Wherever I am at, I'm always thinking about how can I make improvements to how I operate? How can I work in harmony better with someone that I'm getting friction with? How can I do more at my day job so that I am adding as much value as I possibly can? And also finding that balance of when am I giving too much of my good energy away to a company to people that aren't respecting my ideas, aren't respecting the value that I bring when I could use and transfer that energy to my work outside of my day job. So that is something that's not a cookie cutter, cut and dry thing for you to know. It's something for you to have some introspection on, maybe to do some prayer on, to do some journaling on and figure out how you can make your work day better for you, more enjoyable for you, and how can you add value to your colleagues, to your superiors, so that they want you to show up, so that they start, that law of reciprocity, they start doing more for you without you asking for it, because you were the first to take the step, take initiative, and do better, and be better as a human being. I'm thinking about a fun project 
and I'm always doing projects, right? Because I'm a creative person, so I like to create things. I like to uh, think outside of the box. And in 2020, that was an extremely challenging year for all of us. Yes, I'm fully aware. Um, many people were not stuck in another state of residency, though. Some people were. Some people were stuck in other countries, and I totally respect those stories. Um, I had gotten stuck, but I didn't stay stuck. I had made a decision that it was no longer safe for me to go back to the address that I was at because it was right at the timing of the shutdown, the pandemic, and I had found out that doctors were not testing my roommates. They said they were too young to contract COVID and there was no way that they had it. And I, at the time, was very concerned about my asthma because I was like, I don't want to die. Um, and also there was some huge friction with a family member um, and then upping and lowering the price of rent and not making it a safe place for me to feel happy and joyful in my home. There was a lot of stress that I didn't need in my life. So I made the decision to trust someone and moved to an area, well, I should say I was there already and then the pandemic happened, so then I stayed there instead of going back. Um, and I didn't, I didn't have any income anymore because I was driving for Lyft at the time to cover my bills. But then I was like, oh, I'm not comfortable with strangers in my car and breathing the same air and all of these things. So I had to hustle. I had to create wealth opportunities for myself, create income opportunities. And, and so I did. I got a job working as a highly paid nanny. My title was, I think, educational coach. Um, they hired me because they were going to hire a therapist for their son and they also needed a nanny. They got two in one for me. I was paid the equivalent of a teacher teaching a class of 28 to 30 students at a 10-year experience level working with one child. Um, no medical benefits. It was like a 1099 situation. Um, however, it told me that um, there is value in my Move Happy business for them to trust me enough to call my supervisor at the psych hospital that, um, where I developed the, the first program. And uh, she you know, gave, gave good kudos and whatnot, and then they hired me and whatnot. Um, <clears throat> and then I had, outside of that, I had a conversation with um, Charles, one of my connections on social media that I met, um, I want to say in 2019, might have been 2018, uh, through LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, one of, I forget which one was first. And he was asking me how I was doing. And I was like, he knew that I had moved and I wasn't planning on moving, but got stuck there. So you just make the best of it. And I said, I'm really struggling with growing my business while just changing addresses and trying to figure out everything. Um, I know I need sales, but I don't have a lot of time. And he's like, well, what if you hired some salespeople? And I was like, I don't have a lot of money and I don't feel led to take business loans out when I took loans out for school and I worked five jobs after my master's degree and still couldn't pay my loans off. So I wasn't going to take loans again because that didn't serve me well. So he said, well, what if you what if you got some interns through universities? And I was like, tell me more. He's like, well, if you go to the business department, they're required to have some sort of internship, externship, practicum experience with business owners. 
What if you reached out to local community colleges and did that? And I was like, that's a genius idea. Okay, cool. So I made one post about it. I shared it on LinkedIn and immediately within a few hours, one of my social media connections um, out in India, he actually commented and said he has been doing it He's been a business development advisor through university partnerships for 10 years, and he works with interns all the time, and he would love, he loves my content, he would love to help me get that launched. And I was like, wow, okay, well, what do you want me to pay you? Because I don't have a lot of money. He said, don't worry about it. I love what you're doing, Aaron, with, with Move Happy. And I was blown away. So we start collaborating. I developed the... Um, so if you're doing a sales pitch presentation, if you're doing consultative sales, um, you want to have some sort of kind of fill-in-the-blank guided questions to figure out the needs, the value point, and get an emotional buy-in from the customer. So I developed that for a program that I designed called Work Happy. Work Happy Workshop. I'm really good at presenting and I'm really good at coaching. Um, I'm learning more of the one-on-one. I've done more group, large audience um, performances and and group instruction, uh, and I wanted to get better at the one-on-one coaching as well. And uh, so I did some research, right? Just like in my undergrad with Dr. Hacker, I looked at what the current relevant research was on mental health. And if you go on to the World Health Organization, they did some some research they released in, I want to say it was May or November of 2019, they estimated that $1 trillion is lost in productivity on an annual basis in the workplace because there are not proper procedures and practices in place for people that have depression and anxiety specifically. So that means, um, I'm going to simplify what I just said one more time, $1 trillion of potential extra work that people could be doing, but they're not doing because their jobs don't provide them with the the correct needs that they have. And I don't think it's because they're doing it intentional. I think because it's such a high need and there's not enough research yet. We are in that development stage where businesses are losing out on money because they're not properly providing for the most expensive condition in the world that is prescribed for medication, which is depression. That is a a very small statistic, $1 trillion. It is probably 10 to $20 trillion after the pandemic. I'm just just laying it straight there because I've made phone calls in the last week to get some therapy for myself to 10 providers and none of them are available. And guess what? (laughs) I'm not surprised. A lot of people are needing mental health resources right now. So let me tell you a little bit more about this Work Happy program and why why I believe that every, every workplace should have something. It doesn't have to be through Move Happy or through my nonprofit arm for veterans and first responders, Air Nicole Ministries, but you need to have something in place at your workplace for your employees that have diagnosed mental illness. Because for one, HR, it's going to increase your value as a diversity EEO standpoint if you can say, this is what we offer for people with mental illness. 
this is our wellness program for blah, 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 blah. It's going to improve that. And actually, to my, my current day job's uh, benefit and positive comments, they have a partnership through Service Experts is the company that owns um, 90 locations nationwide for right now. They'll probably get more. Um, but they have a partnership with a wellness organization out of London. And I'm really excited that they offered that. Now, with my experiences with hacking recently in my personal devices, again, uh, from professionals, even though I pay for cybersecurity protections, I'm a little hesitant to download more apps at this time. However, I've done some research on the company and I really like what they have to offer. So anyways, I digress. So back to the work happy offering. So essentially what the work happy offering was providing and we were in development right I had just gotten some interns it was my first time hiring people um what I'm really excited about is when I hired these people um we did it on a 90-day basis where uh, if they were performing well through their internship experience then they were able to transfer over and be hired um, as paid employees a part of the organization, right? Because if they were bringing in sales, I wanted to keep them there. And if they were happy, I wanted to keep them there. And if they weren't happy, that's okay. Um, it would be a good experience for them. It would be a good learning experience for me. And I would want to stay connected to them as human beings and help them get to the next place in their journey if they wanted to do something else in their career path. Because it was my first time ever hiring. So I'm not going to expect that I'm like the biggest, baddest, you know, coach and teacher and business person, right? No, we all have different places where we can learn and grow and improve. And through this offering, it was teaching them how to do cold call sales and direct messaging on social media because they were reaching out to United States professionals. So I had a couple of interns in India. Um, I had an incredible intern in Europe. And then I had um, actually a uh, high school student was following at one point. Um, she was right before 2020. Um, or I should say they, them, there. Um, they prefer that. Um, born female and transitioned into that. Um, mom was completely on board until we got paperwork for her to sign to get approval for her to become a paid uh, intern because she was sharing my content for free. And I wanted to make sure she was paid. Um, her mom didn't like the uh, 1099 form asking for her social security number, which is to keep things tax appropriate and approved. Um, so she didn't do it. But it told me that a lot of people were willing to do stuff for free for me. Um, but I'm not a manipulator. I want to make sure that people get um, an equal exchange of value. And during this work happy workshop training and onboarding process, I'm still networking with people as much as I can through Zoom and whatnot because I'm trying my best to build my social health because I had a huge transition where I had to move unexpectedly. I wasn't planning on it. None of us were planning on the pandemic. Um, and I didn't know anybody in my area and I was extremely isolated, um, staying pretty much indoors. Um, where before I was meeting new people every day and I was, you know, happy and joyful and whatnot. And I'm also in an area that was causing my asthma to be extremely bad. So I had to be careful what times and what days I went outside, depending on pollen count and whatnot. So there were a lot of stressors that you're probably hearing this and you're like, yeah, it was a really tough year for me too. 
but we keep moving forward. We focus on what we can do instead of what we cannot do, and that's what brings us joy when we get things that we can accomplish, right? So the Work Happy Offering essentially is a presentation to the whole company after finding an interview and kind of doing like a case study with some employees, figuring out what the problem points are, um, what their concerns are, having um, anonymous feedback surveys that they're not going to get in trouble for if they're talking about, you know, they're frustrated about some things at work that they want to have changed, but they don't feel like they can speak to their management about it. A safe, neutral third party to come in evaluate the situation, and then provide to those that have depression or are struggling. Maybe they don't want to say they have depression, right, because there are HIPAA privacy laws in place to protect people's medical information, or at least there should be in workplaces. Um, But it was something that I designed because I am a woman that has been diagnosed with depression, but I do not allow the diagnosis to control me and to prevent me from living a joyful, full life. And I didn't know if there would be interest, but I was trying my best to create different offerings because I had taken this class before I moved across the country um, online, this boot camp course through Denise Duffield Thomas um, on mindset and up-leveling my mindset. And that opened up doorways in my mind to creating things that were not there to add value to people, finding needs and filling those needs. And I had one conversation with a gentleman that was director of IT of an organization, a smaller organization, but a not small one, smaller than where he used to be at. He was one of the OGs of Apple cybersecurity, one of the first five people of Apple to ever be their cybersecurity people, like huge deal. And Microsoft as well, incredibly humble human being. And we had a networking call because I was trying to build out my podcast guest list and I wanted to just add value to people. And I knew nothing really about cybersecurity. Um, and, And I find it fascinating talking to people and industries that are not mine because I can learn from them and hopefully they can learn something from me too. So we were having this networking call, not expecting anything. And I'm curious about him. I'm interested in him. I'm asking lots of questions. And then he turns it over and starts asking me the same thing. This is a natural part of a conversation when you're getting to know someone for business networking preferences or I lost my train of thought there, but anyways, that's, it's normal. It's a normal thing when you're networking with someone on zoom or in person or, you know, phone chat, whatnot. And I tell him, we just, just hired my first interns, just created this first offering for the workplace for mental health well-being, And I wasn't even done with it yet. Like, I said, we just launched it, haven't even put it on the website yet, uh, but we're tra- I'm training my team right now to uh, reach out, <coughs> excuse me, to reach out to businesses, um, do some cold calling messaging, and make some, try to schedule some appointments for me to do um, presentations with and whatnot <clears throat> and have consultations. And he said... I love what you're doing. I struggle with depression. And um, I actually changed career paths because I was traveling so much, I missed my family. And I think this could be something that my work could use. I'm gonna make a phone call or I'm gonna shoot an email to my CEO. And I'm like, holy crap, that's awesome. 
So one thing about me in my past, I don't do it moving forward after going through what I went through after a few months after that in 2020, being off the grid for a couple months. But one thing that has served me well for most people, 99% of people, is to not look up so much about their background because it would make me nervous feeling like I am inferior to them. Um, I didn't look up his current job and where he was at because I knew where he had been and I was still feeling cool about that. Like, oh my gosh, I'm having a a Zoom chat or a phone call with this guy. He's such a cool person and super smart. Um, I'm glad that I didn't look it up because I ended up looking it up afterwards. And this company had 1,300 employees. And the second to the top person valued what I said over the phone. And then he followed through and sent an email to the CEO saying, we need to have this offering. Can we schedule a meeting? And then the CEO went to my website. And unfortunately, my website person did not do their job and was not reaching out to me. So I lost out on that opportunity at that moment. But it still taught me a lesson that I can change situations that are my struggle through my own knowing, through my own creative thought processes, through grace that has been poured, you know, ideas have been poured through me when I'm in need. And um, I say that to say, whatever your passion is, if you are going to a job where you're working, let's say you're working in the automobile industry and you're a detailer and you love detailing cars out, but maybe there's somebody that you just don't get along with at work, but you love getting in those cleaning products and getting that vacuum out and doing your job with excellence because it, it de-stresses you in some capacity. Find ways that you can add value to make it better for yourself so you could do more car details. Maybe you start your side hustle podcast all about car detailing. Maybe you... Um, reach out to one of your younger cousins or siblings and say, hey, let's do a couple of details on the weekend. Do you want to hold some signs up? Uh, and we'll do like a special and see how many see how many details we can get in and I'll split it with you 50-50, you know? And then you have some fun family time too. Getting, uh, thinking outside of the box, getting creative with asking yourself, what are some ways I can add value and make more Money. When you ask yourself the right questions, ideas will come to you, I promise you. Um, I listened to Tony Robbins a lot um, the year my dad died, and a lot of other people as well, but I would say like his information was extremely helpful because I needed someone to tell me step-by-step processes in, in just three to five steps, not 27 steps. I needed it small and simple. And he talks a lot about um, NLP, neuro linguistic programming, and how our mind, our brain is like a computer. And whatever question you ask it, just like Google, whatever question you ask it, you will find. So being intentional about the kinds of questions that you ask so that you get information that you actually desire to receive. Um, I do not watch the news. Like, hardly at all. Um, with my new work vehicle, it does play automatically when I turn the vehicle on. If I don't have my phone plugged in to listen to music or listen to a sermon or listen to, you know, a motivational video or whatnot, it will play 
a podcast automatically that I did not turn on, which is the New York Times. I can switch it, but it takes too many steps. So sometimes I do listen to that um, forcibly, and it's fine. It's great. Um, it's informational. Um, but for the most part, I don't. I choose not to infiltrate my mind with negativity from the news because, unfortunately, yes, it is truth, but it is sensationalized truth that causes me to feel sad. I don't need to hear about or read about people dying in other areas because I already know about it because I see it on social media when people share it. So I do get my, my news and information from certain areas and I have phone calls with people and people bring things to my attention that I need to have attention on if there's you know a disaster weather thing in the area or whatnot. People usually start talking about it at work. So I don't need to waste my energy and my space in my me time, in my free time, pouring a negative energy into my body, which is going to change my vibration, which can impact my mood um, and take away aspects of my joy. So I choose to just not do that. <laughs> and if that doesn't impact you at all, hey, don't worry about it. You do you, boo. Uh, working happy is all about enjoying your job to the best of your ability and seeing how you can add value to make it more fun and also giving yourself some de-stress time between your job and when you get home. I'm thinking about when I was a really little girl, um, up until I turned 11 years old, my father was a regional sales manager for a company and he worked in multiple states and he did a really good job. But when he had more money, they had more children. And I was the third one and they started struggling financially. And I think also there was a lot of stress from my oldest sibling. So my parents, I'm sure, had a conversation. Either you get a new job or we're getting a divorce or I don't know if they had that. You'd have to ask my mom. But um, he decided to switch career paths after that but I do remember on a regular basis how excited I would be to be behind the truck I would be by the house and he parked his truck backwards and he would plug his truck fridge button into the house to because he had refrigerated items that he had to keep cold overnight and I would be so excited like jumping for joy because I just I couldn't wait to see my dad because I was homeschooled so I stayed at home for the most part unless we went to the YMCA or, you know, did a little field trip. But for the most part, I, I stayed at home and I was studying by myself in my room or because my mom and I fought a lot. So I should say I was an angry little child. <laughs> and so I spent a lot of time in time out in my room. Uh, sometimes I would sing songs if I was in a good mental space that day. But if if I was having an attitude, then she was like, go to your room, like, I ain't going to have that. And I'm glad she did because it taught me to be by myself and not be afraid to be alone. So as an adult now, I'm so used to being alone and doing things by myself where I have to like think about things. Um, I do find myself getting distracted sometimes. So it's just, that's just life. We all do the best that we can to multitask. But if you're in Europe, you probably have it a little easier than we have in the U.S. because we're a little faster paced here. And uh, we're a little bit slower paced than in China and Japan. So it just depends on wherever you're at in the world. It's all about perspective. And trying your best to enjoy your workplace 
enjoy your home space and allowing yourself, uh, I forgot to say this part, so I'm jumping for joy, excited for my dad, that he had a conversation with mom. He needed some de-stress time to separate from his workday to then being at home. So he and her talked about having a free few minutes for him to decompress when he got inside uh, because if he had a really tough sales day, it did impact his mood um, because he had the pressure of providing for the family and being the financial head of household with a family of five where he was the single income earner. It was a lot of pressure for him to have. So I remember him asking mom to have a, a few minutes to himself to decompress where he didn't have to talk, he didn't have to answer questions or anything like that. Um, and so she usually would have dinner ready for him, uh, for us, five o'clock every day. We would eat as a family together, and that was that was a positive memory that I remember. Um, but what wasn't so positive was he hated his job, <laughs> and he would talk about all the things he didn't like. Those were the memories that I have at the dinner table. So for me, I associated going to a job as being a terrible experience. So I think that's why I was so open to being an entrepreneur because there is no way I'm going to go to a job that I hate every single day and stay there. I'm so sorry. With the internet, we have, we have so many options to, to do our own side hustles. The U economy is such a powerful thing. Um, so I try my best to, as I, as I do have a day job now, um, it was a little unplanned with getting a, a car accident that someone else hit me when I had a Lyft customer in the car. Um, but I, I am grateful that I'm not in that space anymore because there was a lot of people trying to deal drugs and trying to use me as a mule, and I'm not ever going to break laws. Like, I'm so sorry, but that's not, not for me. No thanks. I'm not going to take it off the app for a couple hundred quick. Um, and that's kind of where we're at right now in the world with a lot of people stressed about money and people want a quick, easy fix. And then they make poor choices when they're stressed financially. That's not everybody, but that is what a lot of uh, the people in the area that I'm at were doing. So I have a job now where um, I have employees, I have a boss, I have, co you know, co I say employees, I have coworkers. Um, customers that I see on a regular basis and it's been a minute since I've had a job to go to where I'm not in charge so I'm adjusting uh, when it is appropriate to give advice from my leadership experience and when it is appropriate to just soak it in and just kind of go with the flow because I'm new in the industry and it's not my way or the highway um, and it's also finding a balance of setting standards of respect for myself um, because there has been some friction and not with a lot of people, but just a few um, incidences where I am feeling the tone from an individual, uh, both in email and in audio over the phone is not respectful of me. And when I feel disrespected, that's when I bring it to their attention. I'm an extremely direct person and I will talk to you straight to your face or I will write you an email 
when I think something needs to be corrected because that's the way I was raised. It's actually biblical. You talk directly to a person, you confront the situation. If they are not willing to listen, then you bring a neutral third party in. If it still doesn't work, um, then you bring someone else until you can find a resolution. And it's the same thing in politics with countries that are um, about to go to war. We have peacekeepers in every country. We have our um, professionals that basically are there to make sure that wars don't happen, right? They set meetings. They try to negotiate and talk about situations. They sign paperwork so that they don't, you know, blast each other up, right? Um, these are transferable skills to any situation. You should do that with your children too if you're a parent. Um, if, you are, if your child is acting a fool, acting crazy, um, instead of just saying, you know, here's your spanking, get to bed or whatever. Uh, I mean, well, that could be an option that day. Um, but how about, hey, I've noticed that you're, you're, you're struggling today. You want to talk about it. Um, there's this thing called positive parenting. Lots of TikTok videos on it. Some people think it's too soft. Um, but a lot of people don't see the long-term effects of being physically violent with people, uh, whether it's a spanking, whether it's taking a spoon out. Um, you should never have any bruises on your body after you're being disciplined. Um, there are some positive ways to discipline people. Um, putting them in timeout, I think, for me, when I was a kid, was probably the best thing for me. I was frustrated, and I cried, and I yelled, and this and that, um, but I would prefer that over putting hands on someone. Um, but everybody parents differently, everybody disciplines differently, everybody um, is a leader differently in their workplace. There are no hard and fast rules about it other than just watching other successful people be good at whatever it is that they do and ask them questions. Find out what they do well. Um, that's actually something that I had learned quite a bit from just observing when I was in direct sales and we had a rhythm as a team and this company broke every record just about in a 150 year industry went from 100 million with one product the first year with no paid advertising to 1.5 billion dollars by year five and a half um, I got to be a part of that journey I joined in I want to say it was the third year when they had at that point they had just released their fourth product when I went to the conference which was EHT, the Mind Supplement. Um, what I learned from our rhythm, from our meetings, we had weekly meetings where we went to people's houses. We had fellowship. We did some training. We ate together. We, it was very much a family feel. We had a monthly regional training uh, where we learned how to improve in our business skills, how to, for me, do it all. Um, I was extremely socially anxious before that, but I wanted to get better because I had already had five part-time jobs with a master's degree and I couldn't pay my student debt off because I didn't make enough money and they did not consider it qualifiable for low-income status for whatever reason. The laws were different back then in 2012. Um, and I wanted to get better. I wanted to do something different because the same thing over and over again is insanity. And I had learned about community through joining that direct sales business. 
Um, I got to watch how moms would talk to their kids because they would bring their kids to our training parties. Um, we were encouraged to do parties as well on a weekly basis to share the product. Um, I didn't always get a party in every week, but I tried my best to follow the system. And then we had, um, occasionally we had a quarterly event that was something fun where we did, we always did trainings, but we also had fun too. And then we did an annual, like three or four day training from all of the top leadership of the company. Um, we learned about new product releases and then we had a fun dance party at the end with a live band. We all wore white and it was a really fancy experience. It was fun for me because it up-leveled my value as a human being. It up-leveled my value believing that I could be a good mother one day if that's what the creator of the universe desires for me. And additionally, it up-leveled my belief that I could do business that I could be a professional in business even though I went to school to do something else and I was struggling in the economy that we had. But it opened up my eyes to what was possible. And I had so much fun going to all of the meetings. I looked forward to it. Mondays were my favorite day of the week because that was when we had our weekly trainings. And I'm really, I'm extremely blessed to be able to share with you one of my mentors from that company. If you are joining us August 18th, 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I'm hosting the second ever real entertainment therapy experience. This is something that I designed out of my own knowing. I believe the creator of the universe inspired through me. We are still working and developing it because it's the only second one ever in the world. But the long-term vision of it is that it will be the first ever global entertainment therapy in the world. For those that are entertainers that lean towards the entertainment space as their mode of healing. Um, I'm incredibly blessed that one of my top leaders from this time in this direct sales business is our keynote speaker, uh, retired from the USPS Postmaster. Um, she was, she actually grew her location. It was one of the largest locations west of the Mississippi. I want to say she she had said when she was a guest on the podcast. And people started bringing their friends to, to get hired at her place of work because they enjoyed going to work every day. They became a family. They helped each other out. She went above and beyond as a leader. And she went above and beyond as a leader when I got to learn from her experience after she retired from there where she was responsible for anywhere from, I think, 150 staff, maybe a little more, a little less. Uh, when she retired, she didn't want to quit working. She wanted to make more income and make more impact. She's a huge animal lover, um, so she had her horse competitions and things like that. She went to the next level and became a Lexus earner, and she was making a good amount of money working less because she was smart about the comp plan and whatnot. 
And I got to train under her a few times. She coached me because the culture was so positive at the company that you could go and get trained by anybody. Um, they actually set the standard. Um, Jeff Olson was the CEO, uh, founder at the time. Um, he's the owner of, uh, they changed business names in the last couple years. But he set the standard for the culture that we want you to reach out. If you are a new brand partner, we want you to reach out to to leaders. If your leader can't help you, reach out to another leader. Reach out to people, reach out to people, reach out to people because you will get better if you ask for help. And that was something that I struggled with. But when I started doing it, uh, it was easy because they stepped up because the culture was set, the standards were set. And she helped me and she was not in my direct line of commission. She did not financially benefit at all. And I'm so grateful that she gave of her time this last fall because the creator of the universe asked me to interview her. And I'm getting emotional just thinking about it because who am I that I could interview someone on their deathbed? She had stage four cancer and she was in hospice when I interviewed her on the show. I wanted to make sure that I was not uh, being perceived as someone that was trying to use her situation to make my show ratings get better. I wanted to make sure that this was something that the creator wanted and desired for us to share her story. And it was one of the hardest interviews I've ever done, but it was the most impactful for me. And I thought that I was done there, but when I had my week of corporate training at my new day job through service experts, I was not sleeping well that week because um, I was in transition with housing. I wasn't sure where I was going to live. My husband and I had just separated recently, and I had switched from a different job that I didn't didn't drive with. I wasn't getting paid what I was told I was going to get paid, and their culture was not super great. And I've been through a lot, uh, so I don't really take a lot of bullshit, pardon my French, but um, I am extremely hireable. I have a huge network, uh, very strong network, and um, I am very choosy with where I choose to allocate my time, my resources, my energy, and I um, was in this transition, unexpected transition, starting this new job and training in another state for a whole week with the top level leaders. I got to train with the head of sales for all 90 locations all week long. And they didn't tell us that he was the head of sales until like the last day. If they said it, I missed it. Um, And I was extremely grateful, but it was literally like an immersion training for a week. And they had never done it in a week fashion before they always do two weeks of training so we were in the first class of that Um, and I wasn't sleeping very well because of a lot of transitions in life just like when I was transitioning a lot in um, ninth grade and so I have been through these experiences before so I think about what did I do before what went well before that I can transfer to where I'm at right now And one morning I was woken from the creator of the universe and it said that still small voice in my heart said, you are going to launch your next experience, real entertainment therapy experience. You're going to have 
Brenda Murphy be the keynote speaker. And she's going to teach people in the world how to build a culture of winners by collaboration. (sighs) Mind blown extremely. Was not planning on it at all. But I'm going with it. So I started leaning in. Um, That morning, we had the CEO, president, CEO. I forget if it's a combination. Um, He came into our training class to to be able to have us ask any questions and kind of share a little bit about himself and Ellen the head of HR was also in there as well and she talked about the benefits through the company and whatnot and then she stayed in the back for a little bit to connect with us and I had about a 15 second 30 second conversation with her and that's when the creator told me you need to talk to her and I'm like okay what am I going to say so I just talked a little bit about our first one that we did and how my doctor's office had, had sent the invite to 650 locations and about 65,000 people were invited and I was just like blown away that the people that love veterans and who am I only have one volunteer, a little bit pleasantly overwhelmed and she said, wow, that's incredible. Um, maybe we can help you with your organization. I love what you're doing. My whole family are veterans and I've got a cousin that's a paramedic. And I said, okay, this is confirmation that I'm on, I'm on the right path. Um, and so I've continued to do a little bit of the orchestrating outside of my work hours, um, which have been extremely long because it's the busy season. Um, and so learning to communicate and add value to the team that is so unshakable and undeniable that um, they're willing to negotiate and help me Um, even though I'm not getting good sleep because I'm stressed about uh, my husband and I'm stressed about a lot of things in the world because I care about human beings and we've got a lot of people dying all around us. Um, And so I'm learning to shape and shift and mold my thinking patterns to help people through the area of my strength, which is bringing people together and singing, performing. And I love bringing other musicians for you. So I'm really excited if you are listening to this and you're like, I, I want to meet some people. I want to connect with some people. We've got an incredible lineup of speakers. Um, we're, I'm calling them edutainers, um, whether they're speaking or they're singing. We're all edutainers. Previous Super Bowl performer and one of my friends. Um, we, went in, we were in the same high school program together. He was a part of the U.S. Air Force Tops and Blue group. He got to tour in 23 or 26 countries, he'd be able to tell you. Um, He's going to sing an original song. Um, I'm going to also be singing some original music, and we might have a surprise other musical guest. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I'm going to do an encore song as well if you guys are loving the music that is all about how to, if you're dating someone or you're married to someone and it's not a healthy relationship for you, but you still want to respect them as a person, how, how to break up in a kind way. Um, so I've been working on that. It's a, it's a fun one. I like it. It's pretty upbeat. And, um, head of Disney hotels is one of our confirmed edutainers. 
Um, at one point, he was responsible for, he just recently retired, his um, son has taken over, but he was responsible for 40,000 employees. I'm blown away. I'm blown away at the people that have stepped up to support our veterans and first responders. When you know where you're headed as a leader, where you know the direction that you want to take people, if you have the gift of vision, speak it, tell your intention aloud, and ask people that are in alignment to help you, to support you. I'm really incredibly grateful, Lieutenant Colonel Oakland McCullough. Um, he and I chatted this morning. He's asking me, how can I support you? What, um, what do you want me to speak on um, specifically? How can I customize it to the audience and whatnot? And so we, got, we had some clarity on that. And I told him my needs right now. I said, our needs as a nonprofit, we've got an, an, an invite list Potentially, if all emails go through accurately and there's no darkness that's trying to block our emails from professional hackers, like in February, uh, 225,000 invites from the three people in my network I reached out to. One of them is Ellen, our my new part of my network, my new day job, um, and the other two are from my connections. I'm blown away at the people that are really excited to support and care about entertainment and want to be a part of the first ever experience. Uh, we do in intend to get this white papered, eventually get it in uh, accredited, get it accredited through the Joint Commission is my big bodacious goal because that is the gold standard accreditation process, but there are some fees involved with that. And there uh, we are planning to do seven years of research on this. This is a positive psychology study that I designed, that I created through the creator of the universe, spoke and poured it through my mind because I care about my life mission is to help end global suicide by helping to empower people on the opposite end of the spectrum to find things that they enjoy doing, either in their workplace that they hate to go to, find something fun that you like to do at your job. Um, or maybe it's starting a new career path for you. Maybe you're not in a workplace environment because you're a kid, uh, finding different things that you enjoy, trying different activities to find out what you're good at, to find different things out um, that bring you joy and can also add value to your community. Maybe it's contributing, volunteering, working with elderly people, going and having conversations and learning how to crochet. I remember doing that with my mom's best friend, Rebecca. We would go to Eastern Washington, to Ellensburg, to see her, her elderly friends all the time because she could tell that I was struggling as a child. She had studied three, I want to say three or three and a half years in special education, and a part of her training was emotional training and whatnot and she sensed that and I know that she did um, because she had experienced herself um, emotional and physical abuse in her upbringing and she could tell as a protective motherly figure although she didn't have any children on her own she could tell that I was going through some some challenging things as a little girl I was extremely mute um, up until probably five years old when I had my first performance singing for a large audience because our home, I had to be quiet. Um, and um, also there was some, some cognitive damage that has been since healed and restored. Um, but there was a long time where I just wasn't speaking because I was afraid to as a child. 
Um, I don't wish that on anyone's kids, but I believe that she saw that in me and she was definitely an angel on earth to help protect me and guide me and encourage me to learn about contributing to others and volunteering and connecting with older people. Because when you have intergenerational relationships, it can bring so much joy, unexpected joy. Uh, Older people can be extremely lonely. And if they're able to connect with little kiddos, um, it can bring them a sense of playfulness and fun. And for little kids, it's extremely healthy for them to see grandparents or grandparent figures that are kind and loving that can teach them and be patient with them. Um, My grandparents, a lot of them passed away when I was pretty young. My father's, uh, my paternal grandfather passed away when I was seven years old. He was a World War II veteran. And I remember sitting on his lap. Um, I remember he would give us coins He would save all of his change for the year, and he would give us his change. Um, And I remember he taught us how to play poker, but that was about it. I didn't have a lot of memories around him. Um, He did play on the trailer, did some, like, truck stuff with my dad. Um, But me being a girl, I didn't get to experience all of those kinds of things. Uh, My grandmother, my father's mom, I was extremely close with her. And we spent two or three days a week as a, as a child, as, a, you know, homeschooled kids going to grandma's house. And um, sometimes I would go and spend a weekend with her when our parents needed a, a weekend getaway and my brothers would go elsewhere. And, you know, I'd, I'd work on puzzles with her and different things. So these are things, if you can connect your kids to their actual grandparents, super healthy for them. And if... If they're not able, if your parents are no longer living or if you don't have children, maybe you want to volunteer with kids, getting them to connect with elderly people can make it so much more fun, especially if they are living in an assisted living facility because a lot of the places are isolating elderly people because they're afraid they're going to get COVID, but they're like even more depressed because they're isolated and they're lonely. Um, Some of them might have smartphones. Many of them probably do not. But imagine if you could bring a kid that's not sick, right, that's not coughing, wash their hands, you know, put the mask on if you need it, um, but bring them in to spend some quality time at an elderly folks home where they could ask them questions. Say, what was it like when you were a kid? And we could keep our history alive. Think about it. This has been a long, impromptu podcast episode. I'm so grateful for you listening. I This is extremely cathartic for me to just speak without being judged. Speak on things that I believe can make the world a better place. And I'm just one human being. You don't have to take all of my advice. But if there is something that added value to you today in this episode, it would mean the world to me. If you would go on iTunes or wherever you're listening and rate, review it, and subscribe, follow it, and share it with someone that you care about. Uh, At one point this year, I found out we were ranked in the top 10% of all podcast shows in the world. I I mean, it's cool, right? It's, It's a cool factor. It's a cool stat. 
but I don't care about being the best. I care about making an impact. And in order to make a greater impact where I'm at right now in life, um, I do need people to step up to uh, send us some money. So if you want to uh, be a sponsor for our real entertainment therapy experience, um, I haven't done sponsorships on this show just because I don't like to do advertisements because I like to just give good content. But I'm willing to do maybe a couple episodes if you're looking to get sponsored on the show or you're looking to get promos um, in all of the emails sent out to potentially 225,000 people in the nation and in some in Canada as well. Uh, reach out. Reach out with what you're willing and able to give. And you can also donate any amount if you don't want any advertising, you just want to give because you're a decent human being. You can go to erinnicoleministries.org. That's E-R-I-N-N-I-C-O-L-E-M-I-N-I-S-T-R-I-E-S dot O-R-G. We are estimating that we'll have a need of $10,000 um, just for renting the digital seats on Zoom, and then to hire them to be, um, I want to say coaches, but like kind of tech staff so that people can um, let people in the room. So I don't have to do that and MC and um, perform and introduce each of the, the entertainers and entertainers and whatnot. Because um, I, I did it all last year until my last concert with Robbie stepping up to be a volunteer out of nowhere. So I'm grateful for Robbie. Um, but he's, he's got some transitions in life, so he's not um, as available as he was um, last year. So if you have the money, you want to donate some, awesome sauce. If you want to write a big check and you want to get featured um, as a, like a sponsor for this show or a sponsor for the event, um, send me what your budget is, what you're able to do. You can send me a DM or shoot me an email to team, T-E-A-M, dot Aaron Nicole Ministries at Outlook.com. And uh, we can go from there. Um, please, only serious inquiries. Um, I've had some people in the past reach out and try to dupe me <laughs> uh, because I talked about the fact that I had gotten hacked by professional hackers and then they tried to hack me again. So sorry, I wasn't born yesterday. So please don't waste my time. I'm trying to do good in the world. So just help us this out if you can. And if you're like, how does she spell her name? It's E-R-I-N-N-I-C-O-L-E-M-I-N-I-S-T-R-I-E-S dot O-R-G. I love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this random work happy podcast episode with Erin Nicole. Don't forget to tell someone you love them today. See you next Thursday, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time.